0: But they're related. So the song fits perfectly. Uh, It really does. Uh, I began studying the challenges that we face. I began looking at the world in which we live. And came to the conclusion that the biggest challenge that we face is the devil. And we need to talk about the devil today. We need to look in the scriptures and we need to see what God tells us. And how we need to be prepared And what we need to do with our lives as Christians. Because we are the hope that the world has in the battle against the devil. Because in my mind, the world is under the influence of and control of the devil. And because of that, we need to set people free. And the only way we can do that is through Jesus Christ. Because he tells us, that uh, in Him we have that freedom. You are here this morning. Thank you for making that choice. Thank you for worshiping together. It is good to be uh, the body of Christ, worshiping together and doing the things that we do for His glory and praise. Thank you for supporting the works of this church by your contributions. As um, as I am becoming increasingly aware, uh, you are a very special group of people that way uh, and that we are... Uh, so united in our ministry that we are uh, united in our goals uh, speaks well of us uh, as a church. Not to brag, but to simply tell you thank you for making those choices. Let's get right into it then. You're going to need to be in Job chapter one. If we're talking about the devil, we're talking about the reality of the devil first. We are not unaware of Satan's presence in his activity. Let's establish two things early on. First of all, we are aware that his presence is real. I read an article in the Gospel Journal this past week by a fellow by the name of Johnny Skaggs. And he writes, He is not some scary bedtime story told by someone. He is not like the boogeyman. The pictures men have printed to describe to us who Satan is are unreal. These pictures do not come close in helping us understand how ugly and evil Satan truly is. If one were to see Satan in his true form, he or she would stay as far away from him as possible. Let's talk about the reality of Satan this way. He stands before God giving an account of himself. He is a created being. He has a purpose in God's creation, but he is under God's authority. Job chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 it says now there was a day when the sons of god came to present themselves before the lord and satan also came among them the lord said to satan from where have you come and satan answered the lord and said from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it secondly satan comes alongside beside us or comes along beside us to cause doubt and disobedience one of the earliest encounters that scripture tells us in genesis chapter 3 it's when he met the woman and the man in the garden, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die." But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. And in verse six it says, She took of the fruit its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So by his craftiness, Satan, the serpent, has twisted the words of God to his own devices and to the fall of man. We are unaware that we are aware that first of all his presence is real. But also we are aware that his activity is relentless. When you look at his activity throughout the gospel, throughout the the Bible, the plan of redemption, when you look at him simply in your own life and in the world around us, you come to the conclusion that Satan is a liar and a murderer. Jesus says as much in John chapter 8 and verse 44. Write that down. He says, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning... And does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He is not only a, a, a liar and a murderer, he is a tempter and an accuser. If you go back to that Genesis 3 account, you can see his cunning and craftiness in the Garden of Eden, deceiving and changing God's words ever so slightly, taking them away, taking, taking the focus away from the commands of God. And putting them in a, in a way that man and woman, uh, men and women try to see something they can justify in their wrong behavior and so choose to disobey. Likewise, when Jesus was in the wilderness in Luke chapter 4, Satan comes to him and tempts him as well. And almost as if it's a redo kind of a, a, a situation, much the same. He comes to the wilderness and Satan comes to him and asks him to deny God and to worship him, to worship Satan as you read in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I gave it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve verse 13 and when the devil had ended every temptation he departed from him until an opportune time i want you to look at verse 13 again it says when the devil had ended every temptation comma he departed from him until an opportune time what does that tell you that the devil's going to tempt you okay he's going to push it and push it and push it until you push back and deny him Or either give in to it, but he's gonna what? He's gonna come back. He's gonna look for that opportune time. He's gonna look for that weak moment. He's gonna look for that for that compromising situation. He's going to come back and he's going to whisper in your ear and he's going to change the words of God and he's going to try try to make you justify your actions. The devil is real. He's the challenge you face. It's not just the little devil on your shoulder versus the angel on the other. This is life and death. This is about you making choices that ruin relationships, that set the course of your life in a direction toward hell. Satan's whole purpose is to disprove man as God's crowning creation. His whole purpose is to destroy our happiness given to us by God and to steal our eternal assurance. Whatever God is, Satan is its counterfeit. God is love. Satan is self-gratification. God is merciful. Satan is vindictive. God wants the very best for mankind. Satan wants God to withhold that best from mankind because he wants us to convince ourselves that we are unworthy of it and works daily to ensure man's doom. The first thing we have to know, the first thing that we must be aware of, the first thing that I think we know is true and sure is that Satan is real. He is the challenge that we face. Next, I fear which is where I kind of changed the sermon focus, I fear that we are somewhat unaware of Satan's influence and disruption. I have to scratch my nose. First of all, his influence is sinister. I can't think of more a more drama queen than Satan himself. He is sinister. He is that, that arch enemy. He is that nemesis of ours. First of all, if allowed, he will enter your heart. If you allow him, he will enter your heart. John chapter 13 and verse 2. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. You cannot trust anything about Satan. Because he will find an end. He will put it into your heart to do something. And you will do it. Because you've convinced yourself that it's okay. Okay one of the most sinister things that jesus that satan does i'm sorry one of the most sinister things that, that satan does is found in luke chapter 8 and verse 13 in luke chapter 8 jesus tells a parable about a farmer sowing seed and he says that some of that seed fell on the ground and the birds came and picked it up in explaining that part of the parable jesus says that the birds are satan coming to pick out or pluck out the word of god in other words, people can hear the word. They can, they, can, they can get the daily Bible verse. They can they can read the, 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 the billboard on the highway. They can do everything. But immediately, Satan comes, he says, and plucks that word out of their heart. It is the most sinister thing when those people's hearts are so hardened, so calloused by the sin that they live in, That the word of God cannot enter and have its effect. It is a sad day. It is a sad day. When the challenge of Satan ruling your life. Cannot be countered by the presence of God. Because our heart is hardened. Because we are so trampled down. By our own callousness. And by our own decisions. That we cannot let the word of God have its effect in our life. If allowed, he will lead us to sin. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 25 and 26. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. There are those who have been overcome by Satan, but with God's help, they can be recovered. You need to underline that verse. You need to be very aware of that verse of Scripture. I'm going to read it again. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. There are those who have been overcome by Satan, but with God's help they can be recovered. We ought to be praying We ought to be praying for the people who have been captured by Satan to do his will. We ought to be praying that we be a part of the recovery effort to bring them back from Satan's clutches. His disruption is humiliating. The end result is terrible. He will, first of all, Luke 22 verse 31, he will sift you like wheat. Don't think that you can remain naive or innocent. Don't think that you can just skate through life under the radar and not be noticed by Satan. If you are sitting here this morning, if you are listening to my voice, you wear a target on your back that says, I believe in Jesus. And because of that, he wants you. He already has the rest of the world. The people... Who refuse to worship Him. Who refuse to follow God's will. Who refuse to listen to God's word. He already has them under His spell. He wants you. Because you have said that you believe in Jesus Christ. And He will, if you are not prepared, He will sift you like wheat. Luke 22 verse 31. Simon, Simon behold, Satan Demanded to have you. That he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. That your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again. Strengthen your brothers. I'm going to tell you. When you walk out those doors. Even before you walk out those doors. Sometimes Satan wants your mouth. He wants your heart. He wants your decision. He wants that And Peter that same night denied the Lord three times. But it wasn't over then. We talked about this in Bible class this morning. Peter did the right thing. He came back to Jesus and he sought forgiveness. He later became useful for Jesus in preaching that first gospel sermon. And it's always about hope when we talk about Jesus. If you fall to to the sin of Satan and you follow his will, his ways... If you do that, then what's going to happen is you're going to try to self-correct. You're going to self-judge and you're going to self-execute like Judas did. And you have no hope. I stand here today to tell you that the sinister nature of the devil himself is that his disruption in your life is humiliating because when he sifts you like wheat, he will instill within you a disappointment in yourself that you cannot be holy. He will will introduce to you the idea that you can make this right on your own and you will fail. And in that failure, he will find great happiness because you will try to execute judgment upon yourself. And you have left out the one thing that gives you hope. And that is Jesus Christ. He will steal your resolve to repent. He will make you so crippled by your self-loathing. By your self-incrimination, by your self-judgment, he will steal your resolve to repent. Consider the sad case of Ananias in Acts chapter 5 and verse 3, when it says, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds from the land? And Ananias fell dead. Consider the tragedy of Judas in Matthew 27 verses 4 and 5. I have sinned by betraying innocent blood, he said. And the the Sanhedrin says, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and went and hanged himself. When you self-judge yourself and you see that you are incapable of being perfect in the eyes of God and then you self-execute the penalty for that, you have left out the hope of grace the hope of redemption, and the hope of God in Jesus Christ. But, lastly, we are very aware of God's means about defeating Satan. We are very aware. And that's why we need to talk about the devil. Because Satan is an enemy, and I'm going to tell you this, do not underestimate him. We flirt with danger, All too often, we think one time won't matter. With this group, it may not hurt. I can do this to this point, but no further. And all of those are lies because you know that once you move the line, you'll move it again. And Satan knows it as well. He is an enemy, do not underestimate him. We are not unaware of his schemes. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, So that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. If we can know these things, then we can fight against any and all things Satan would use against us. It is why we have the Holy Word of God. So that we can be aware of what Satan does, how he works into Our lives, our families, our church. Why do you think all of those letters are written? Because Satan had found a foothold in those churches... And was causing people to talk about each other, to avoid one another, to insist on things from each other. They they had found a place where the, the unity was being threatened. The peace was being disrupted. And Satan was having a field day. And the letters were written to say, understand, this is the work, not of God, but of the devil himself. Let's correct that. Let's correct that. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. Which makes, I want to stop at that point and make this commentary, is that what that means is that when it talks about it in the Word of God, it pretty much applies, it always applies to everything that we do. <laughs> People don't change their behaviors. They simply get to choose Who they follow. You follow God's way. Or you follow the devil's. No temptation is overtaking you. But such as is common to man. And God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted. Beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape. Also so that you will be able to endure it. We do not have to fall prey. To the temptations of Satan. The Christian must never underestimate. That the devil Is very dangerous. We are equipped to engage him. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Here Paul talks very pointedly about the battle that is before us. In Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He goes on to talk about what that armor looks like in verse 14. He says, we have the truth, the word of God. He says, we have the protection of righteous living. We can be right in our decisions. He said, you can have the gospel of peace and have it purvey- go out from among us. He says, you have the shield of faith in which you will extinguish all the flaming darts or arrows of the evil one. We have our salvation, and when you talk about that, we have the abiding presence of God's Holy Spirit through his word. When you look at that, we are equipped. God has made sure that we can not only be that we can not only be prepared, but that we can stand up to Satan. If you'll look, if you'll look at that armor, the only way that a soldier of Christ ever fall defeated to the enemy as if he turns his back on you if we'll face the devil up we'll be prepared to do everything we can to resist and to be victorious Satan is very close we need to wake up and we need to draw near to God I want us to beware we were in uh, we we're on vacation last uh, last weekend and then the uh, the dumpsters, it has uh, beware of the bear because they get into the dumpsters and they want you to lock them up when you when you, get, when you throw away your trash. And it kind of paused me for a moment because I thought, well who wouldn't beware of a bear? But a lot of people don't. They just don't think it's important. They think it's kind of cute, you know kind of thing to see the bear tearing open the trash. Well, you know the thing is that that's, that's dangerous. It's bears are dangerous, but listen to this, even more so. J. O. Saunders and, and I really hadn't never I'd never thought of it this way, but it is a way of thinking about it. When you think about the Holy Trinity—God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit—if you turn to Revelation 16 and verse 13, there is a Trinity of hell. The exact opposite: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And watch what happens in Revelation 16 and verse 13. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Where there is a trinity of heaven, there is a trinity of hell. The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Peter describes Satan in First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, he says, firm in your faith. Paul declares in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 15. For such men are false apostles. Deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. What can we do? What can we do? We have to resist him and he will flee from us. James chapter 4 verses 7 and 8 tells us this. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. My allegiance is to God. I resist the devil. I submit myself. I draw near to God. I stay close to God. Resisting Satan will not always be easy. He is working overtime and has for, for since the beginning of time to destroy us and trap us. brother once expressed a um, a discouragement because he had been fighting the temptations of the devil for three years and he said, it just isn't easy and I just can't seem to do it. He said, what do I do about that? There was a veteran Christian. Pulled him off to the side, put his arm around his shoulder. And he told him this. He said, you know, it took me 20 years to get the hill back of my barn reasonably freed of rattlesnakes. And after 50 years, I still meet one there occasionally. Brother, the devil is harder to deal with than rattlesnakes. He's not going away. You have to do battle with him. You have to win and you have to stand firm. But it's not always easy and sometimes we get bitten. How do we walk out of here today though with confidence? That's what your question is. How do we walk out of here? I know the devil is real. I know, that, that, I know the temptations that are before me. I know that sometimes I get bitten. I know sometimes I sin. I know that. What do I do? The old preacher Ferguson took those darts of fear and doubt. That self-judgment, self-loathing, and self-incrimination that attack any Christian's heart when we fail sometimes to, to resist the temptations of Satan. And behind the shield of our faith, he says that we can quench the darts or quench the flaming arrows, if you will, of the evil one. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to be looking at verses 31 through 35. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you what I I think, what Ferguson did and kind of rearranged it a little bit. He's going to take that and I'm going to tell you what the devil might be saying to you, but what the word of God says. Follow me through through Romans chapter 8 verse 31. First thing Satan is going to shoot at you with a flaming, burning, destroying arrow. He's going to say, God is against you. He is not really for you. How can you believe he is for you when you see the things that are happening in your own life, your own weaknesses? But the Bible says, Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? But then Satan comes back and he unleashes the second flaming arrow. And he argues, I have an accusations though about you. I will bring against them, bring them against you because of your sins. What can you say in your defense? You are guilty because you are unworthy of the grace of God. But the Bible says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Well, then Satan insinuates. And he lets fling that next arrow. Flaming into our soul. You say toward our soul. You say you are forgiven. But there is a payback day coming. A condemnation day. And how will you defend yourself then? Romans 8 counters the Bible says. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that who was raised Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. But then Satan attacks with his final dart. And he says, given your track record, what hope is there that you will persevere to the end? How can you keep up with what you're doing? How can you make the Christian life work for you? But the Bible says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. And now let the word of God soar in your soul with confidence as you read Romans chapter 8 verse 37. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Satan knows he can't keep a Christian from going to church, reading their Bible, knowing the truth. He can't keep them from conservative values. So what he wants to do is to keep us from forming that abiding, growing connection to Christ. He knows, he knows that if we gain that connection with Jesus, his power over us is broken. I think about it this way. Bible class teacher asked one time, said, said, what do you do when the devil knocks at your door? And in all the innocence of a child, she said, I just asked Jesus to answer the door. When Satan knocks at your door, who are you asking to answer? And if you ask Jesus to answer the door, Satan is already defeated. But Satan can't. Jesus can't answer the door when Satan knocks. If Jesus doesn't live in your house. If Jesus doesn't rule in your home, your heart, your soul. Revelation chapter 3, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says. And he who will open will I enter. Today, the door. Jesus is knocking at your door if you are not a Christian. Let Jesus in. So that when Satan comes and all of his reality and all of his ugliness and all of that sinfulness, you can ask Jesus to answer the door. If you are a Christian today and you've been opening the door to Satan far too often and far and far too many times, it's time for you to step back and to repent of sin in your life. To ask forgiveness from God. To ask Jesus to open the door from now on. If we can help you today to leave here with the confidence of Romans 8. That nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we can help you have that confidence. Either by helping you to be baptized into Christ. Or to pray with you for forgiveness of sin as a Christian. do you come to the front and make your need known as together we stand. And as we sing. Oh awesome.